But today I wanted to talk to you guys about a topic that has really been on my heart and on my mind for really several months now. And if I'm being transparent with you, it's actually something that I have kind of been dealing with, even struggling with myself um, in a few different ways from a few different angles. And over the past few weeks in particular, it's something that has just continued to rise to the surface all around me. I don't know if this happens to you. It has to, because it happens often for me. But whether you're reading the Bible, whether you're reading books, whether you're listening to podcasts, it's interesting to me how in certain times, there are just certain topics that almost seem to be like bombarding you. It's like, man, I can't get away from this thing. It just continues to smack me in the face. And this is certainly something that has been doing that for me. And so for a few minutes today, I want to talk to you guys about dealing with disappointment. I want to talk about what it would look like to deal with disappointment the way that we ought to deal with it. Now, the good news, at least for me as, as the teacher up here today, is that this is one of those topics that is truly universal, right? Meaning every single one of us has certainly encountered disappointments. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your life experiences have been. This is something that has come up throughout your days. And in fact, I would argue this is something that actually comes about just about every day for us. Almost every single day, we have to deal with this. Sometimes it's the small little things. Sometimes it's, you know, the big life-changing things. But over and over again, this seems to be in circulation all around us. Maybe it's with your job and, you know, you just didn't get that promotion. Maybe, maybe you just didn't get that feedback that you were looking for. Maybe you've been let go and in comes disappointment. Maybe it's in your relationships where somebody has let you down, somebody has abandoned you, somebody didn't hold up their end of the bargain, and in comes disappointment. Over and over again, we see this in our lives. And when you study this topic, one of the first things that you'll see is that there are two main factors that are always surrounding disappointment. And this is really a, a consensus viewpoint. Whether you look at Harvard studies, scientific studies, biblical studies, you will see this same thing over and over again. The two main factors surrounding disappointment are your expectations and your experience. Those are the two things that correlate most to this topic. When you encounter disappointment, it almost always draws back first and foremost to your expectations of that person, that outcome, that situation, whatever it is, this is often the foundation of our disappointment. In fact, one of the best definitions I've heard on this topic is that disappointment simply means that your expectations were out of alignment with reality. If you've encountered disappointment, oftentimes this is what has happened. Whatever you were expecting in a given situation just wasn't aligned with reality. And the reason that this happens from a biological standpoint is that your brain is a forecasting machine. So, so your brain literally predicts what you're about to experience in every setting, every situation, every circumstance. And as it predicts what is to come, it prepares your body to react accordingly. This is how our, our internal system works. So for example, 
Maybe you have a meeting on your calendar this coming week with your boss. And, and maybe your expectations going into that meeting is that you're going to get a raise. Okay? That, that's what you're expecting. That's what you are anticipating. Well, your brain is literally preparing your body for that excitement. It's preparing for that experience. Now, the problem, of course, is if the prediction is wrong, right? And maybe instead of a raise, it's another project that's getting slapped on you, right? Maybe it's another trainee that you have to spend time with. Maybe it's just monthly feedback, whatever it is. When this happens, your body experiences a chemical crash. So catch this, disappointment is not simply an emotional reaction to something that has happened. It's actually a physiological response to your brain's miscalculation about what was going to take place. Your, your expectations were out of line with reality. And this is actually what connects us to the second piece, which is your experience. Because what your brain bases its predictions off of is your experience. In fact, Harvard studies in 2018 showed that our daily disappointments are almost entirely formed around our developmental history. Meaning throughout the course of our lives, we have felt certain things in certain moments, right? We, we have seen people react in certain ways. We've experienced a certain number of highs and lows. And all of that has bundled to form the first factor, which is our expectations, so, so our experience is what informs our expectations. This is how this works. I think the best example of this that we see is in a marriage. Because over and over again, we see this interesting thing where you have two people who have had completely different life experiences now coming together with completely different expectations, right? One person is used to staying up late every night. The other person likes to go to bed early. One person grew up where homemade meals every night. The other person went out to eat all the time. One person likes the TV on at night. The other, complete darkness. We have all of these expectations. And when they don't end up being fulfilled, in comes the disappointment. This is how it comes about. But the truth is, when it comes to this concept, I'm, I'm not really all that interested in talking about the little daily offenses that take place I'm not really interested in talking all that much about even the, the relational failures that happen. What I'm most interested in learning about and understanding is our disappointment when it comes to God. And I want you to think about that for a second, our disappointment when it comes to God. In 2015, Seth Stevens, who's a writer for the New York Times, he set off on this journey to try to understand what is the typical person's perception of God. He wanted to understand in our modern day, what is the psychology around how people see God and who they think he truly is. And so one of the first things he did is he get, went and did a Google review of what questions people are asking about God. So, so when they want to know something, what exactly are they going to Google for? And what he found was really interesting and very telling. And that is that the six most common questions that people are asking about God all have to do with disappointment. They all have to do with being disappointed. Questions like, why did God allow me to suffer? Why did God make me this way? Why does God hate me? These are the, the questions that people are asking about God. And what he quickly realizes that one of the biggest hurdles in our spiritual journey is how we approach being disappointed with God. How 
do we respond in these moments? How do we react when our expectations are not being met by him? What do we do in these times? Now, honestly, if we're being truthful about it, this is something we don't like to openly talk about a lot in, in contexts like these because, you know, we're, we're good, faithful Christians, right? We don't want anybody questioning our faith or questioning our belief. But I would argue that oftentimes the best way we learn about God and the way that he does things is through our disappointments. And in fact, isn't that what we see over and over again as we read through scripture? People like Joseph People like Job, people like David, the disciples, the apostle Paul, all of these people encountered immense disappointment in their lives, yet we see it having this profoundly positive impact on their journeys and even in their relationship with God. Somehow they learned how to deal with disappointment. And so what I wanna do is I wanna look at the two main factors of this concept and I want to determine how we can learn from this in our relationship with God. When we look at our expectations, when we look at our experience, how do we maybe need to adjust and change that? Maybe how do we need to approach that differently to properly align ourselves with God's will? And so let's begin with the idea of expectations, okay? Let's first understand what this means for us. And I'm just gonna hit it head on from the very beginning. Nearly every single one of your disappointments with God simply comes down to this fact that your expectations did not line up with his reality. That's what is happening so often. Whatever you expected didn't align with him. But what's even more helpful to understand is that the reason this happens over and over again in our lives comes down to the fact, listen, that we don't have an accurate understanding of who God truly is. That right there is the problem. Because the truth is every single one of us throughout the course of our lives, what we've done is we've, we've picked our own little image of who God is to us. Every single one of us has done this. And as a result, we have incorrect expectations on how he will act or how he will provide for us. For instance, some people, whether you realize it or not, you, you see God as like your own personal little genie. Like I can ask him to do anything and he's gonna provide for me. He's gonna satisfy my every desire without even realizing it, that's how you view him. Some people think of God as like the ultimate bodyguard, right? That he's just gonna protect you from any bit of harm that might come your way. Some people think of God as a bully, that he just wants to fire down, you know, brimstone at every moment's notice. Whatever it is, we're all guilty of this. And what happens as a result is we have a poor view of God. We have bad assumptions on what to expect and therefore a lot of disappointment when it comes to who he truly shows himself to be. This is every single one of us part of our journey. In fact, in his recent book, Jonathan Merritt put it this way, our framework of expectation works pretty well for us as long as God seems to do what we want God to do. But the moment God doesn't conform to our expectations, our whole world rattles. As soon as he does something that we don't expect, all of a sudden things begin to shake. And, and this is extremely common. This is a very relatable feeling for each one of us. In fact, if you ever talk to people about their experience with God, you will often hear the same thing over and over again. 
And that is a story that begins with a lot of joy and a lot of excitement and a lot of anticipation only to reach a screeching halt when God is not who they thought he was. Now, now wait a second, I thought life was gonna be easy now. Wait, wait a second, I thought I would never be sick again. Wait, wait a second, I thought, I thought my condition would change right away. This is not what I expected. This is how it so often happens. As a wise man once put it, sometimes the biggest threat isn't doubting that God exists, but rather being disappointed that he does. Now just think about that for a second, because that, that sounds really harsh. I even kind of cringe when I say that out loud, but is that not the truth? Is that not the felt experience for so many of us? In fact, it's, it's the same for people in scripture. Do you realize that the very reason Jesus was crucified was because of this? Because he wasn't the Messiah that they were expecting. He wasn't who their brains had calculated he was gonna be. They were expecting a Messiah of weapons and war. They got one of love and peace. It didn't meet their expectations. And so in came the disappointment. This is how it happens. In fact, let me give you an example of how this often comes about in our culture today and, and in our lives today. Let's go to Romans chapter eight, verse 28. Very popular scripture, one that many people would call their favorite scripture. I certainly understand why. This is what we read. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Philippians chapter one, verse six. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, here's the thing about these scriptures. Listen, I wholeheartedly believe these to be true. I, I, I really do. I believe that we can proclaim them. I believe we can declare them. I believe we can stand on them as the promises of God. I believe that. But here's the caveat. What is God's view of good? How exactly does this work itself out from his perspective? See, we read the word good and immediately we put our suppositions, our expectations onto that word. And in turn, what we do is we skip right over the true intent of these scriptures. In fact, let me give you a few examples of how this plays out elsewhere. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 says, he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. John 10, 11, Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I guarantee you that when you read Romans 8, 28, and you see the word good, you are not thinking about these things. You're, you're not thinking about discipline and, and sacrifice and suffering. That's not where our minds go, right? In fact, we think the word good means easy. We think the word good means convenient. And yet that's not what we see in its full context. Now, listen, am I saying that I believe suffering is good? No, that's not what I'm saying. And I don't think that's what scripture is saying. What I do think it's telling us is that what suffering produces can be good. That's what I think it's trying to show us. And in fact, let me give you an example of this and pay attention to the process. Pay attention. Romans chapter five, verse three and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Just think about that perspective for a second. We exalt in our tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. 
Verse four, and perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope, watch what verse five says, and hope does not, what's that word? Disappoint. And hope does not disappoint. See, here's the key to this. We get caught up in the process while God is concerned about the result. That's the difference. We, we fix our eyes on the words discipline and suffering and sacrifice. He fixes his eyes on the growth and the strength and the freedom that that produces within us. That's the difference between our perspective. In fact, do you know what the very next scripture is after Romans eight twenty eight? Right after he says all things work together for the good, he says that he's conforming us to the image of Jesus. Meaning, he's not so much interested in giving you everything you want in life. He's interested in making you more and more like Christ. That's what he wants to do. That, that your thoughts, that your hopes, that your character would be formed in his image. That's what he wants to do. See, the most important thing you can understand about disappointment is the purpose behind it. That is the biggest thing you can understand. What you have to realize is that disappointment is not meant to destroy you. That's not the purpose. It's, it's really meant to develop you. That's the reason that we go through these things. See, we've already forgotten that so much of the good things that have happened in our lives really felt like hell in the moment. We, we've, we've forgotten that that is the case. That, that closed door that, that devastated us is actually what ended up saving us, right? That, that no that we got that tore our hearts apart is actually what ended up restoring it. The pain that we felt we thought was gonna kill us is actually what made us stronger than we ever thought imaginable. Like it or not, this is so often how we see God working because listen, he's far more interested in your growth than he is your convenience. I'm gonna say that again. That needs to sink in. He's far more interested in your growth than he is your convenience. That's the God that we serve. In fact, just this past week, I was talking to somebody about my previous work experience, the, the, the company that I used to work for. And he asked me, what was the best boss that you had there? What, what was the very best boss? And I kind of took a moment, I started to think about it. And, and now as I look back, what, what I began to realize is that, you know, the best boss I had was not the person that made life easiest for me. It wasn't the person that was willing to do anything for me. It was the person that challenged me the most. It was the person that, that pushed me to grow the most. And what I began to think is, man, I wish I could go back and lean into that more. Like, I wish I would have taken advantage of that. I wish I would have enjoyed the process instead of being stressed and, and anxious. I wish I would have given it my all. What I began to think is, can you imagine if we had enough humility and intentionality to approach disappointment like that in the moment? Can you, can you just imagine if we took the time to sit back and reflect and actually learn from these things that happen in our lives, how much better off we would be? See, see our perspective, our response is the key. How we choose to respond to these things is everything. In fact, Dr. Charles Stanley put it this way, while disappointment is inevitable, discouragement is a choice. Isn't that good? Disappointment is inevitable. It's, it's going to happen, but we can choose how we respond to it. We, we can choose how we react in those moments. Will we take a posture of pity or will we take a posture of growth? The choice is ours. Will we allow bitterness to take root or will we continue to forgive as Christ has forgiven us? The choice is ours. 
How are we gonna respond in these moments? Where are we gonna look when these things come up? And this is what leads us to the second factor, which is experience. Because as I said from the beginning, experience, listen, will always inform our expectations. That's true. But when it comes to our relationship with God, the idea of experience is slightly different. Listen closely. Do I believe that we can learn from our past experiences with God? Absolutely. And I think that we should. Do I believe that we can look back to the things that he's done and be encouraged by that? 100%, I think we should do that. But listen, life-changing, perspective-changing experience does not come from dwelling in his work from the past, but rather dwelling in his presence right now. That's when everything changes. That's suddenly when things make sense to us. Jonathan Merritt put it this way, in times of difficulty, God offers us presence, not a parachute. In other words, most of the time, God is not interested in simply removing you from a situation. What he's interested in doing is showing you that he's in it with you, that he is right by your side. And in the end, does anything else matter? In the end, do you need anything else than knowing that he's with you? All he wants is that you would lean in. All he wants is that you would rest in him, that you would value his presence above and beyond anything else that surrounds you. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. Made me think of about a year, year and a half ago, I was um, taking my daughter somewhere. She was about three years old at the time. And where we were going, um, she had not been before. So she had no context for, for what was gonna happen. She had no idea what was going to, to take place. And from the second we arrived, it was absolute chaos. I mean, from the second we got there, it was like a storm was brewing. And her response in that moment told me everything because that entire time she stood right here by my side. We were there for hours and she was glued to my hip the entire time told me everything I needed to know about my relationship with her. But what was even more amazing is every time I looked down, every time our eyes met, she had a huge smile across her face. She was just lighting up because you know what mattered most to her in that moment was not the chaos around, it was my presence with her. That's what mattered most. And is that not the same thing when it comes to our heavenly father? Is that not what he wants from us? That, that as the chaos ensues and as the storm rages on, that we would simply look to him, that we would simply lean into him, that we would simply run to the Father. Isn't that what he desires? See, this is how we overcome disappointment. This is how we, we see our expectations changing is when we simply rest in his presence, when we simply abide in him. You wanna know how people like David in the Bible, how he got over disappointment? This, right here. Go read the book of Psalms and watch how many times he says, Lord, I take refuge in you. You are my refuge, you are my strength. You wanna know how Paul got over all of his disappointment? Go read his letters to the churches where he talks about the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, where he talks about how he is content regardless of the circumstances. And how is that the case? Because all of my needs will be provided by God. That's how he knows that. But again, listen closely to that verse and the true intent behind it. My God will supply all of my needs. 
He doesn't say wants. He doesn't say desires. He doesn't say he'll fulfill your expectations. He will supply all of your needs. And this is what we have to understand in our relationship with him, that that we can count on him, that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will provide our needs. And so we need to stay right by his side. We, We need to keep looking to him over and over again, knowing that he's in control, that he knows what's best. This is our response. So what I wanna do in ending today is I want to to be really intentional about reflecting on this. As I said at the beginning, every single one of us has dealt with disappointments. This past week, every single one of us dealt with disappointments. This coming week, every single one of us will deal with disappointments. So what I wanna do is I wanna end just by reflecting on this. How can we better understand this? How can we better apply this to our lives? This is something, this is something that we often fail in. We, we came out of a series a few weeks ago where we talked about how distracted we are. We have time for nothing. And so everything that we do is reactionary. Something happens, we react. Something else happens, we react. We're never prepared. Let's change that. Let, let's reflect upon this and understand a good and right response as these things happen in our lives. And so if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. And it's gonna be really quiet in here. But as maybe you feel that awkwardness, that discomfort, I would just encourage you to lean into into God in this moment. And I want you to think about right now, I want you to think about the disappointments that you have been dealing with recently. I mean, think about it. Think about that that decision that didn't go your way. Think about the outcome, how it wasn't what you expected. The small things, the big things. And I want you to just begin to reflect on how can I deal with this? rather than allowing bitterness and anger, a lack of confidence to set in, how can I deal with this? Maybe we can ask ourselves questions like, where are my expectations off here? What what image am I casting onto God that isn't true of him? And no matter what, why don't I just rest in his presence? Why don't I just look to him? Why don't I just trust in him? make up your mind right now that come what may I will rest in him